Dr. Fate Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and be aware there are spoilers. Two productions on Twitter is probably the easiest, most convenient place to get in touch with me if you want to leave feedback. Lords of Order has a page on Facebook. The email address is the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com and the website bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate. You can leave comments there as well. Justice League of America, the 1960 volume, volume 1, issue 22, cover dated September 1963, is the book I'm looking at. Crisis on Earth 2 is the story in said book, and it was created for us by Gardner Fox, who did the scripting, Mike Sikowski, who did the pencils, Bernard Sachs, the inks. The colors, eh, at this point, are unknown for probably a variety of reasons. Gaspar Saladino did the lettering. Now, if you want to try to track this down, you are not able to locate the actual book that I just told you about. There are a vast variety of places that you can find this book, Issue 22, and Issue 21 that I spoke of last episode. The DC 100-page Super Spectacular Series number 6, cover dated, uh, or the... 1971 series, The Greatest Team-Up Stories Ever Told, The 89 series, and The 90 series under the same title. Justice League of America Archives number 3, 1992. Crisis on Multiple Earths number 1, 2002 from DC. The DC 100-page Super Spectacular number 6 Replica Edition from 2004. Showcase presents Justice League of America number 2, the 2005 book. The Justice League of America Omnibus from 2014, Issue 1. Justice Society of America, a celebration of 75 years from 2015, D.C. The Justice League of America, the Silver Age Regular Series, number 3, or the Omnibus, number 1. And Crisis on Multiple Earths, 2021 Series, Issue 1, entitled Crossing Over. Now, all of those reprint both 1 and two of this first crossover between the JLA-JSA. In addition, back on May 22nd, 2017, Justice's First Dawn, a Justice League of America podcast, released an issue. Mike talked about issues 21 and 22 of the first volume of Justice League of America, much as I have done the past two episodes. Justice Society presents a show on the Fire and Water Podcast Network on their very first episode, dated January 31, 2021. Shag and Rob covered issues 21 and 22 of the first volume of Justice League of America as well. So you have several places to find a reprint, several places to find thoughts other than mine, should you be interested in that. Now, the book opens, well, first, the cover shows us that all of our various members paired up one Earth-1, one Earth-2 member in cages that are chained together floating in space, and the two Green Lanterns are attempting to extract our heroes from these cages. Only by using the combined might of our power rings can we hope to free our fellow members trapped in those space prisons, is thinking Earth 2 Green Lantern. The narrator tells us in a box, a sensational superstar spectacular, a lot of alliteration there, featuring the Justice League and Justice Society, Crisis on Earth 2 which is the title of our story. On the first page, we have banners that tell us all the members of the JLA, 
Adam, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Batman, John Johns, Superman, Flash, Green Arrow, and Wonder Woman. Members of the Justice Society of America in this tale. Adam, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, and Our Man. And the Crime Champion, which is what our six ne'er-do-wells are calling themselves. The members from Earth-1 are Kronos, Dr. Alchemy, and Felix Faust. And the members from Earth-2 are the Fiddler, Icicle, and Wizard. And we have a huge text piece here. Basically, it takes up probably 75% of the page telling us what happened in issue one, which tells you that it was a lot to explain since it took that much much text to catch you up. So now we open our actual story with our two Green Lanterns going through the interdimension between Earth-1 and Earth-2, trying to find our two Flashes who have been captured and imprisoned by the members of the crime champion. Earth-1, members of the Justice Society of America, are racing to seek out and overcome their arch foes. So, where we left the story, Earth-1 and Earth-2. JLA has left Earth-1, gone to Earth-2 to find bad guys from Earth-1 that are on Earth-2. Also, the JSA has left Earth-2 and is on Earth-1 looking for bad guys that have left Earth-2 and are hiding on Earth-1. So, heroes and bad guys have switched Earths to accomplish whatever it happens that they're trying to accomplish. First up, we have Adam and Our Man that find the Fiddler in a museum. Fiddler, with his fiddle, does some shenanigans and brings some exhibits to life to battle Adam and Our Man. Ultimately, they're able to waylay the Fiddler. Moving on next, we have Dr. Fate going up against Icicle, Mono E. Mono. The Icicle, using his ice powers, attempts to trap Dr. Fate, who turns the ice into a raging deluge that is used to knock Icicle unconscious into a wall inside the museum that he's at. No, inside the theater that he's at. The wizard is caught up trying to escape from his shenanigans by Hawkman and Black Canary, throwing up a rock blocking the Black Canary's progress on land, a kind of a big hillside of rock, and telling Hawkman's wings to take him into the upper atmosphere. The wizard gets the jump on both of our heroes, but ultimately, with some quick thinking from Hawkman, they are able to take out the wizard. He took off his wing, called for help from some eagles, so that when he took the wings off and started to fall, his brother eagles caught him. Using the wizard's own weapon, Hawkman knocked him out, and when the wizard was knocked out, Black Canary returned to normal, having been... Uh, slightly transmogrified by the wizard. Not like Spaceman Spiff, but transmogrified nonetheless. We cut to the two green lanterns, finally finding where our Flash is, but having some difficulty reaching them. Cut back to the action story. Green Lantern, Martian Manhunt, or John Johns, and the Atom have been paired together, we are shown. We don't know who they're going up against yet, because then we see that Batman and Wonder Woman have been paired up together. We find out that they're flying in airplanes that Dr. Fate created for them, although, oddly enough, the airplanes look identical to the invisible jet of Wonder Woman and the bat jet of Batman. But they are not. They are just replicas. Our last group is Superman and Aquaman going after their villain. Now, we do see that the Atom... Green Arrow and John Johns catch up with Felix Faust. Some magic shenanigans that causes them to spin uncontrollably is the spell that they must combat. 
Now, the Martian Manhunter is not really able to, but he does manage an attack on Felix Faust, who repels it. The Green Arrow, however, uses a miniature bow and arrow to free the Atom, who then uses the spinniness that has been imposed upon him by Felix Faust and his ability to increase his weight uh, via changing the density, I believe, of his molecules. He knocks Felix Faust out, which frees Green Arrow and John Johns from the spinny magic that they fell victim to. Wonder Woman and Batman go up against Dr. Alchemy, who promptly, upon seeing them, changes their airplanes into winged horses. Uh, would that be Pegasuses or Pegasi or... I don't know what the plural is, but winged horses. Now, the winged horses don't take very well to having Batman and Wonder Woman on their backs. So they're flipping and bucking and flopping. And the problem is, is that either if either falls off, they will plummet to their death as they have nothing to, to protect themselves. Which is interesting. You would think on his uh, shiny belt, Batman would have to have something that he could use to save himself. But he says not. Ultimately, Wonder Woman uses her lasso, lassos the two horses to the to the ground like a, a big hitching post using her, well, as I said, her lasso. Falling, uh, they fall a short way, but not to the ground because the ground stretches away from them as Dr. Alchemy opens up a pit beneath them, closing the pit immediately as they fall. When they do strike bottom, um, it doesn't seem to hurt either one of them because immediately Wonder Woman starts spinning like a giant drill. I wasn't really aware that Wonder Woman could do that. I thought that was more Batman or Superman's shtick. But she's spinning like a drill, and so she spins a hole through the earth that was used to cover the pit so that they can climb back out. She's the first out and rushes Dr. Alchemy, who as he's pulling out his alchemy uh, stone, Batman throws a pellet that he indicates is full of powdered lead at the stone. When it strikes the stone and breaks open, it, the stone bursts into flame because apparently powdered lead bursts into flame when it comes in contact with the air. I didn't know that. I wonder if that's true. <laughs> Finally, the two Green Lanterns do gain entrance into the building where the two flashes are held captive, but they find that these vibratory bubbles that the two flashes are in are very, very difficult to get into. So rather than sitting there and watching them, we cut back to Superman and Aquaman, who are going up against Kronos, who immediately gives up. He just doesn't put up a battle, but as they're about to, to lay hands on him to, I don't know, hog tie him or something of that nature, I'm sure... Aquaman collapses. He collapses and goes into a coma, even. And Kronos tells Superman that in order to save Aquaman, they need to, or Superman actually, needs to take Aquaman to a small island in the South Pacific where Kronos has put a kryptonite, a piece of kryptonite that radiates a particular kind of energy that will wake up Aquaman. Well, fans of Superman know that kryptonite is his well, main and for a long, long time was his only weakness. Um, I believe magic now proves to be a pretty big weakness for him, too. And maybe he's overcome some of the effects of kryptonite by now. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not a regular Superman reader. But Superman does take Aquaman there, drops him off near the rock, knowing that he will um, succumb, which he does. So now Aquaman and Superman are both laying unconscious on this little island, giving Kronos the opportunity to escape. Eventually, Aquaman comes to his senses enough to pull Superman away from the kryptonite rock. The two look everywhere, uh, Superman using his, well, I should say Superman looks everywhere, using his special telescopic tele-whatever, tele-eyes, 
teles- yeah, microscopic, telescopic. Can't see him anywhere. Aquaman says, well, hmm, that must mean that he's under the water. Hang on, let me send out a message. And so he calls all his creatures of the deep here that we see before us, a sperm whale, octopus, a couple sharks, an eel, looks like a bottlenose dolphin, um, several other fish that I don't recognize. I guess they're just fish in general. And finally, they do locate Kronos' time ship, and Aquaman and Superman are able to then uh, dispatch him. The Green Lanterns do finally find a way by combining their power with the power of the Flash's vibrational energy, helping them escape the bubbles, but apparently that was foreseen, and so that, uh, in the Flash's escaping the bubble, I mean, triggered another trap that the crime champions have set for our heroes, pulling them all into deep space and imprisoning them in the boxes that we saw illustrated on the front cover. Uh, Now going through, looking at the pairing, uh, the two atoms are paired together in a box and the two green lanterns are paired together and then, or, and the two flashes are paired together. After that, it's just indiscriminate. Uh, The two women, Black Canary and Wonder Woman are paired together. So they tried to do some some simile there in the art as far as who who goes together. Our individual heroes try in their own special power ways to get out. We find that neither Superman's strength nor our man's strength can do anything. The atom cannot shrink small enough to escape between the molecules, although he thinks about it. And after seeing the others, he comes to the conclusion that these cases have been specially put together to counteract particular hero's ability. So he tells the two Green Lanterns that if they can shrink themselves small enough, they can probably escape between the molecules, much as he would have. They attempt that and are able to. They uh, free up the two flashes. First, they find, though, that their power rings don't have enough power because the power is being... um, Part of it is going into trying to free the flashes, but part of the power rings is going to help preserve and keep the Green Lanterns alive in auras, in in protective bubbles. So they divert all of that energy to the power rings, leaving themselves vulnerable to freeing the flashes. They're finally able to, and then they circle back around and protect themselves. They protect the flashes in green auras while the flashes now go around and break through the other um, captive boxes as All the others have been designed for things other than the Flash's vibration, so they're able to easily break through. Everyone gathers up now and heads back to Earth, where our crime champion learn through warning from Felix Faust and the wizard that the heroes have freed themselves and are on their way back to Earth. So they decide, well, we need to beat feet, or I think they're probably going to beat us this time. You know, we, we've used up all our shenanigans. We've done what we could. Uh, we waylaid, waylaid them, but we couldn't stop them. So, you know, that must mean that ultimately they're going to catch us. So somebody gets the idea. Uh, let's see, who is it here? The Fiddler. He says, I've got it. There's an Earth 1 and an Earth 2. Somewhere there must be an Earth 3. So Felix Faust, the Wizard, Kronos, and the Fiddler, use their powers to try to find an Earth-3 for them to escape to. Our heroes, though, get there in time, and many battles ensue. Green Arrow, Our Man, and Adam take out Icicle. Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Flash of Earth-2 take out the Wizard. Superman and the Green Lantern of Earth-2 take out Dr. Alchemy. Adam of Earth-2, Hawkman, and Green Lantern of Earth-1 take out the Fiddler. Dr. Fate, 
Batman and the Flash of Earth-1 take out Felix Faust, and John Johns and Black Canary take out Kronos. All of the bad guys now are laying crumpled on the ground. All of the heroes are standing around, many of them with that, you know, two hands on their hip kind of, ha-ha, I beat you, kind of, you can tell in my voice, right, that something's going on. So, uh they, they strike that kind of pose. There's a little discussion here to uh, lighten things up. One discussion involving Snapper Carr, which the JLA, back at the beginning of the mission, at the beginning of issue 21, spoke about Snapper Carr, too. He's kind of their their mascot, the JLA's mascot at this time. I don't think he has any abilities yet, but he does develop abilities um, He's much like, um, yeah, the name escapes me, the guy from Marvel comic, Rick, uh, that was Captain America's sidekick and Captain Marvel and the Hulk, and, you know, he just bounces around. Snapper Car is kind of like that as well for the JLA. All right, so I think that finishes up the first meeting crossover between the JSA and the JLA. Next up, I think I'm going to take a look at Showcase Volume 1 from 1956, Issue 55. That is a Dr. Fate Our Man team-up. So that will be where we go next time, guys. Thanks for uh, following in the last couple episodes as I try to get the podcast started again. Uh, Thank you for allowing me time to kind of scrape off the rust from not having done this in a little while. I appreciate it. Any feedback, all the opportunities I listed at the top of the show. Um, I will talk to you guys again next week or excuse me, next month. Ciao.